Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 27th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And we have some things to talk about this week. Some uh, more known quality players around the league that have some contract things they're sorting out. Uh, Brad Marchand signing his long-term extension with the Boston Bruins, not the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was the... Uh... <laughs> the supply trade. Oh, he played with Sid, so he must want to go there. Yeah, that. Yeah, no. So uh, Jacob Truba, who has had previously asked for a trade, uh, that's now very public at the present moment, and uh, that, that will eventually be resolved. It won't be... Well, I'll get into why it's not a Jonathan Druin situation a little bit later. And we'll talk a little bit World Cup. We've got the final set, a little bit of an upset special getting there uh, against the big juggernaut Canada and uh, whatever else we, we come across. Uh, what, what did you – where did you want to start? Uh, a little bull of height. Okay. Eight years, so max term. Uh, but I I would argue the the AAV at six point one two five million is really good for a player of his caliber. It, it is, and it's one of those things where you might not have value for dollar come year seven and eight, but what you're going to get for the first six, I think it's a cheap as deal per year for that that Boston team. So kudos to a general manager that I've had no problems uh, bagging on. He's certainly done a very good job here. Yeah, it's funny. You look at uh, the $6.125 million, which is really only a million and a half raise. And David Backus is worth as a $6 million contract with this team. So it's like such a polar opposite to me. But it comes down to what Boston traditionally... Now, it, it's really funny. Like, some teams... It doesn't matter what general manager is in place. They seem to always sort of gravitate towards a certain style of play or a certain attitude of, of what goes on on the ice. And and Boston still seems to be sticking to that. And the fact that you'll pay David Backer $6 million and Brad Marchant $6.125, I suppose the Marchant contract makes it possible to overspend in areas that you shouldn't be. I wouldn't consider the Marchand an overspend, but it... no, that's my point. Six point one two five is is under value, I think. And, I, and that I makes... think it definitely is. So if you if you put if you put Bacchus and and Marchand together, it's probably about the right value for the two of those players together. I don't think so because Bacchus is going to continue to go backwards. Go backwards, and I'm not so sure what he's giving at the present time is even close to that. So. That's just me. No, I, I'm not really going to disagree with, with that assessment of, of, um, of Bacchus, but great job for, for Boston wrapping up uh, Brad Marchant. He's shown that when put into a situation where his shenanigans aren't accepted, he can turn them off. So it's, you know, really good to see. And, and he's producing at a high level with, with high-level players. Um, if they can find a, another winger for, for him and, and Bergeron, Boston's top line will be absolutely awesome. Or trade for Sid. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that line is awesome. Yes, yes it is. But it just goes to show Marchand can, can play with the big boys and, and not look like he's out of place because I think he's done a great job with Team Canada and he's kind of been an asshat at times over his career. Certainly some dirty moments that were unnecessary. Uh, I don't like that part of his game. But he's a really good player. And he's worth more than $6 million, So they've done well here. Now, there are some reservations about it. The eight years, of course, being the biggest one. And you address that. Years seven and eight might not look so great, but I think at least for the first half of the contract, it should. Uh, another reservation I've seen is his possession, with or without you. And it's really great with Bergeron, duh. And it's, <laughs> it, and it's not super great away from him. And 
should there be a little bit of concern there? Uh, I don't know. It depends. Who who's his? Who's he dropping? Who's he playing with away from Bergeron? You know, that all depends yeah. on the usage there. Yeah, I suppose for me the only time you would be concerned would be if the coaching staff feel like they have to spread. This is where the worry is. They're going to play the two of them together all the time. You know what I mean? Until something unforeseen happens and, and, and the roster has to change. So if there's a severe injury to Bergeron, which you, you pray there's not because you'd like to see a player like him out of the ice all the time, then Marchand's going to have to carry that line on his own. Can he do it? You don't know. But they're not going to move him off that line. Conserv- you wouldn't think so anyway. No, he's his most common line mate the last three years. They're their possession together for shot attempts is 59.3%. It's ridiculous. That That is entering the 0708 Detroit kind of thing. Yes. When Rafalski and Lidstrom were out there. That is the bar. That is the standard of the Hockey Hurts podcast hold teams to is that year. Yeah, that team was badass. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it does drop. So he, it's about 2,600 minutes the last three years together 620 minutes marchand away from bergeron that drops all the way to 47.6 so it's not like a a mild drop here it's substantial um but he does not gel with david krejci who's his second most common center but but again the sample is only 261 minutes so you're not talking about a lot of time there no 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 but it's i I don't think it's i i I get why people are concerned, but it's not like he's going to get... Who on that Boston roster is going to push him off that line if he goes through a cold patch? Yeah, that's a great point. And you're not looking to, to replace him on that line. You you got him for a reason. Matt Bla- is Matt Bolesky yeah. going to steal his spot? No, and then that's... That's the thing. It's like a, it, it is a legitimate concern. You get there and go, well, if something happens to, to Bergeron, what happens to Martian? But if something happens to Bergeron, Boston's toast. So it's a mute point in, in, that sense, in that sense, I suppose. Well, here's the deal. And I'm stealing this from Ryan Lambert of Yahoo. And, it, and he covered this point like, okay, so what is Henrik? How is he away from Daniel? And I think he was getting at. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. You know, they're they're awesome together, and they'll stay together, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, and there's nothing wrong with that as a setup. You at least know you've got two roster spots set permanently. You don't have to worry about doing anything with them. So again, it it, it all goes how back to usage. How are you using this player? What is your expectation in that role? And right now, the expectation is. Marshawn and Bergeron play together and they kick ass. And we're going to sign this guy because that's, you know, the idea here. Uh, Patrice Bergeron the last three years, points per 60, 2.01 at even strength. Brad Marchand, 2.00. They're putting up almost identical even strength offense, 2.0 being the first line level cutoff. So they're doing pretty good there. Now, expectation-wise before the Boston media start getting all over this kid, are they going to expect 40 goals from him now? Yes, in Boston, yes. But I'm glad you brought that up. Boston didn't do a great Well, they can't control when he scores his career high. Uh, He got 37 goals, and they're signing him at his apex value. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But it's tough because he's worth more than the six, even if he's not hitting 37 goals because his – if, if they get 30 goals out of him over the next six years, they Boston win. Do you know what I mean? Boston win in that deal. But do you get there and think that the Boston media and, and Boston fans are going to be pushing for 40, and if he scores 35, they're going to be all over his ass? Oh, absolutely. And that's just that's how it goes. But that's we know how this goes. I mean, I, yeah, I get that. I yeah, I suppose I have more trust in in the hockey community then i should that that's not going to happen or i hope that it's not going to happen because it is going to happen that the season he just had upon which you based 
this contract off, if you know what I mean, is a fine season. If he repeats that again this upcoming year, or even once, even though it's even though it's not the start of his new deal, new, new deal, then that's fine. Well, here's the good news. So you get 37 goals. His career prior career high was 28. He's usually flirting between 25 and 30. Even 2012-13, he had 18 goals, but you know you could add hypothetically almost double that. So he's in yeah. that 30 range. Sometimes when we see career highs and goals, what was spiked that year? Usually the shooting percentage. 14.8% last year, which is pretty ridiculously high, except for the fact his career is 15%. Ha! So he just got more shot volume, I take it. So he did. Wow. Look at you go. Um, 250 shots on goal was a career high, up from yeah. 180. So this is repeatable. In the sense that nothing out of the ordinary, there wasn't too much luck involved. And furthermore, he doesn't get a ton of power play time. This is a lot of this is done even strength. Which makes it wow. even more valuable. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have any reservations about this at all. I think they did a, a, a hell of a job signing him and the future looks good for him. All the numbers are checking off in ways that you would like to see non-fluky. So, yeah, they signed him in a career year. But it was a career year where things looked about right. He just upped his shot volume. I suppose it, it is one of those things where you get there and, and, and try to make sense of it in the fact that he's 28. You know, statistically, you can see that players' uh, scoring curves drop off earlier than, than normal. He's hitting what you would prototypically call the prime of his career. You know, if you look back before, you know, you and I started looking at, at analytics the way we do, I'd suggest that I'd be going, this is brilliant. He's just about to hit the peak of his capabilities. Now, is he going to be one of those guys like Joe Thornton that bucks the trend and his drop-off is really slow? Or because of the style of game that he plays and the size of him, is it going to hit him real quick? And I suppose that's the risk Boston have taken, isn't it? Yeah, he's a super physical, pesky, pesky player. I don't think he has to lean on that side of his game to be he, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't have to. So maybe in this elevated role as we go on we'll, we'll, and, and playing with Sid and Bergeron and, and you know, he's he's showing he's not involved in the crap in the World Cup. Stay on that course, and you will be able to extend further out. Um, the thing with Joe Thornton is his skating. You know, he's not the fastest guy in the league. No. It's his body frame, his ability to pre protect the puck, and, and his passing is what, you know, he's one of the best of his generation at, or even all time. Yeah. It's easier to hang on longer when you're not leaning on the skating part of things. But Marchand's pretty fast, and, you know, I don't expect a, a, him to fall off a cliff anytime soon, but, you know, eight years is a long time. Yeah, that's Anything cool. can happen, uh, so. See, I, they're going to get value for six, and somebody will be stupid enough to take him for the last two, and, and that's if he wants to go. Like, he'll have no trade clauses and whatnot in there, so. I think for the first five or six years, he's got no movement. Yeah. And then there's a modified no trade the last two or three. So he's got control over where they dump him to when he doesn't have. If it even more. came to it. So when they yeah. he, when he gets traded to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I never, I, I never thought that was a thing. And and this is coming from somebody who actually did write a blog about trading for Brad Marchand, but it was the beginning of last year and before he signed his contract. And I was going to give Boston Patrick Hornquist. Because at the time, Pittsburgh had a somewhat of a log jam at right wing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bennett was on the team. Sprong wasn't hurt. Uh, Kessel was there. And they had really nothing. Like, Connor Sheary hadn't shown anything at the time. Left wing was just barren. Chris Kunitz was coming off a pretty not a great season. They hadn't gotten Carl Hagelin. 
David Perron wasn't doing well. So I was trying to do a right-wing, left-wing swap kind of thing. Yeah. And I think I targeted a pretty good guy for Sid. It seems to look that way. That was my intention. Because I do think Marshawn's a better fit than Hornquist for him. But all that said, this this is done. (laughs) Wow. I wasn't talking about it like... In the now, like the World Cup, I saw a lot of people suggesting it. I just, I never thought it was going to be a thing. It's look, it, it works well for Boston. They they know they've got certainty down that left wing for a while now. Um, they can look at, at, at trying to fix their defense as well. Now that's probably their their biggest concern. You're going to have to find some sort of plan for Zidano. So. I, this doesn't make their roster any better. It just means that they're not going to go backwards in that situation, in that particular position, doesn't it? So it's the thing when you sign, you know, upcoming free agents, potential free agents, it doesn't improve your team. It just means you can't get worse at that position. Is there anything else we want to add on this? No, 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 no. I think. All right. Topic that's similar to this. Jacob Truba. And this one's too bad for Winnipeg. And not that they don't have any ownership in the situation here. But, yeah, he plays 22 minutes a night, which I can see why people are a little bit turned off him saying he wants a bigger role. But those 22 minutes a night are with Mark Stewart. That's been the biggest thing that I've noticed from people that are pushing Truba to see a, a vast improvement from when he leaves Winnipeg is that he will get to play top four minutes and not with Mark Stewart. That would be my biggest thing. That's like the, the huge red flag that I see when I look at that situation. Um, I don't fault him for it because, you know, you see Buffalo in there, you see Tyler Myers there, and then you're the other guy. And the other guys get to play with Enstrom and um, who's their other left-handed defenseman? It ain't Mark Stewart. No, no, no. So, ah, oh, man. I know Enstrom's one of them, and he's very good. Underrated dude, if you ask me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um, – I wonder how much of this was the, uh, you know, this agent was a was a part of the Kyle Tourist get me out of Phoenix card as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much Odenkirk, I think it's Odenkirk is his name, um, pushes for this to happen and, and tries to push Dayov's hand. I mean, one thing that you, you hear from a lot of Winnipeg fans is that Dayov is not one to move quickly. And it's not one to be pressured by the media or the fans. So we'll see where the Trubus sits for quite a long time. I don't think that this is a situation that needs to be dragged out. It's pretty clear. Winnipeg has a, a quality asset on the market, and they have a clear ask. And I think it's couldn't not... You do tri- couldn't you do Trubus for Hall? Well, that would have been a lot better for the Oilers. Everybody knew that Trubber wasn't happy. Everybody knew that Trubber wanted out of Winnipeg. I know he's not signed for any length like Larson is, and that could be the... It's just the, the reward in that would be so much better. We can replay that Taylor Hall trade a million times. Yeah, I know. It's just that if you get there and you, you have a trade that doesn't burn all your goodwill with your fan base, it, it gives you flexibility to do other things. That's all. And it's just Edmonton, yeah, it's just moving on. So where do you think Trevor's going to end up? Who's got a similar aged left-handed defenseman? Are you really going to walk the Oli Marta line? I'm going to bring him up eventually. Uh, I've seen some people mention Hampus Lindholm. Yeah, that's another one I could see as an option as well, yeah. But, but Anaheim is so much tied up in their defense already you know I, you know what if I was Trooper, I wouldn't want to go there anyway because Randy Carlisle is coaching that team um, and I just 
you know, you're going from a situation where you feel like you're not being used as best you could. I don't think Harlow really suits the type of player that Jacob Trubber is. I mean, they want somebody that's similar aged and proven, but that's it's not easy because some teams they probably like the guy they have. Yeah. It, like Noah Han, I'm I'm just trying to go through Noah Hannafin of Carolina. It's 19. He doesn't he doesn't have a, a sample size that maybe you'd think. Yeah, but they're Gaga over Noah Hannafin. You'd have to add something to that if you were Winnipeg, I think, to to get Hannafin out of Carolina. Uh, I'm just trying. And to you, you go you go Goth, you go Gotham Spear in Philly. That's not going to happen. No, nor, but that would be the kind of, yeah, that would be yeah. what they would look at. And That's, it wouldn't be it, outrageous for them to, to think something like that. You ask for it and Philadelphia should just hang up on you, really. I mean, that's the the reality when you sit there and you, you look at those sorts of things. Like you, you do try and, you do try and pin one player out of every team. And, and obviously there are some that you just go, there's nobody on that team. And then you go, well, that's, that's asking too much. It's really hard to find that balance to somebody that's comparable. I think I think Mata is one of them that you could do that with. Try and sell that to the Pittsburgh fans for me, could you? Um, I could attempt. Some some are you know, some people are really attached to Ali Mata and, and you get attached to the players that you win a lot with. And, of course, there are injury concerns that have held him back from, you know, reaching maybe his level as a player that he might have already achieved by now but hasn't because of all that. And and some of that stuff's just so not his fault. Mostly all of it. I mean, (laughs) cancer, mumps, shoulder surgery that gets botched, right? Well, the botching of the shoulder surgery is the one that annoys me the most. Everything else is out of his and the team's hands. The shoulder surgery is not. That's yeah, I'm sure he wasn't going, yeah, cancer sounds good. Lay it on me. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Followed up with some mumps. Thank you very much. So outside of injury concerns, which Winnipeg would have with him, and that would be fair, yeah. um, I, you look at the usage of Ali Mata, and over the course of time, he has played predominantly, mostly, with Chris Letang. That's a pretty good partner. Yeah, you're probably doing okay. Then. And they do well together, so that's good. His other partner was Matt Niskanen, and I, this is where the legend of Ali Mata grew with Pittsburgh fans, is his time with Matt Very Niskanen. True. Matt Niskanen is yeah. a super underrated player. Ali Mata, also a good player. They played sheltered bottom pairing minutes and kicked ass with them. And that's good. That's what should be expected of those two in that role. However, it's worth mentioning that it was a sheltered role with two very good players. They were playing well below what they are capable role-wise. Yes. So it's an elevated production. They're put into a situation to overproduce, basically. And And they they did. did. And they did. So that needs to be said. Um, I will go back to Jacob Truba playing with Mark Stewart, which is like the Rob Scuderi. It's not really fair to expect that Truba is going to be at his best and, and show off what he can do in that situation. And if we're also being honest, Ali Mata frequently plays with forwards by the name of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So again... I, I put that hero chart in my blog, and you can see it. Ali Mata's offensive production is pretty remarkably awesome. Top top pairing um, defenseman, and that's great. And he's done that, uh, but he's he's got some help with usage with that. Whereas I don't think Truba gets quite the same benefit there. Yeah. Okay. So my my question with that looking at the the hero chart that you used in your article, would the change of scenery away from Stewart and the likelihood of him playing more minutes with the top six of Pittsburgh? If we're going to use the Pittsburgh example. Yeah, yeah, just 
wanting to do that. But, well, I'm using it because we were obviously talking about Marta, but would that be enough to drag Truba's, you know, goal-scoring, playmaking, and production up to at least the top two level? Because Marta is, like you said, Marta's, you know, result in those three particular areas is not just, you know, top two, but comfortably top two. And you sit there and go, that would be the minimum bar that Pittsburgh would want out of Truba because you'd, you'd hope that moving away from Stewart would allow him to suppress shots a little better as well. Um, yes, I do. I think it would be a big difference in my opinion. Yeah, so a big enough jump to, to get there and, and not have you sit there and look at the numbers and go, holy crap, we're, we're asking a lot of a, we're asking a lot of Truba to improve. It's not that much. Truba's numbers are not bad with um, Winnipeg. And Travis Yost did a wonderful article on Truba just yesterday. Truba has the makings of a first-pairing talent, and he did a lot of relative stats. And that's the difference there, yeah. And, and he he was in the 92nd percentile for relative shots for, so he's generating tons of offense relative to the team he's on. And... Goals for was also good and, and defensively. Do you make the assumption that you take a player like that away from a player like Stewart and their shot suppression should just go up because, well, their shot suppression should just improve basically because they're not with somebody that is allowing so many shots on their own. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I didn't look yeah. at the Corsi against per 60 with and without. <laughs> yep. yep. But I have it. I had a Truba and Stewart with or without you for the shot attempts, and they're slightly above 50% together. Truba, when he gets away from Stewart, is pushing 54%. Stewart without Truba, 46%. It's Skidiri-like, isn't it? It really is anchorish. And um, I did expect a goals for percentage, uh, similar thing. Together, slightly below 50%. Truba without the guy is 54%. Stewart without 49-ish. So he's, he's a tantalizing asset to want to grab, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think usage is, is what my argument would be for moving somebody as likable as Ali Mata away from Pittsburgh to take on. Uh, on the surface, it doesn't look like the, the results are similar, but I think there's a lot more room for growth for Truba. And then you get into skill sets. And I think Truba's a better skater. And has the ability to play faster, and I think that fits with what kind of Pittsburgh is. And most importantly, why I'm even thinking about this in the first place, because Pittsburgh doesn't need, they're not desperate to make a trade right now. They don't have to. They have a good thing going on. They can keep Alimata and be totally fine. Yeah. I have more of a longer scope view of why I would do this. Not too many times is a top four, maybe even a top pairing, won't be top pairing with Latang around, but... You get what I'm saying. That caliber yeah, right-handed, yeah. right-shot defenseman hit the market that you can acquire without compromising your short or long-term future. Not too often. Pittsburgh does not have much on the right side right now. Is Pouliot left or right-handed? Left. He's left. All right. So basically you'd be getting him to replace Trevor Daly, really. And Pouliot replacing Ali Mata, and yep. I've been bullish on him. So I don't have reservations about Pouliot eventually playing in that role. Some people do. I don't. I think his underlying numbers have been very good. And I know, it, you know, you hear every year, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life. And a lot of it, it's just like, all right, whatever. Like his face physically looks way different. I didn't recognize I the picture. He's like, he's yeah. clearly done yeah. a ton of off-season work. And that should only help. For a player that I think has been um, only just needs more time to show that he's pretty good. So we should see whether he gets knocked off the puck easier or harder because he's lighter. So, so for your question, trying to sell this move, you know, you're going to have to be on board with Pouliot eventually getting a larger role. I'm okay with that. Some people aren't. I think the underlying numbers and uh, in his change in his physical appearance, when you throw those together, I'm very comfortable with that. His his skills are obviously very good. So 
I'm willing to take that risk. And then furthermore, it's easier to find a left side, left-handed defenseman anyways. They're not quite a dime a dozen, but there are a lot of them. So I'm locking up the top four of my right side. Dumoulin is going to be there on the left side. Pouliot, I think better than 50% chance, is going to take that other spot eventually if given the opportunity. Um, I guess the only other thing with Truba would be cost, and he was asking for 6.5 or 7 million for eight years from Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm not so well. First off, players are going to ask for the moon because the team is going to lowball, and you're going to meet in the middle somewhere. So I don't That's take that idea. ask as a serious ask. Furthermore, he may be okay in that five million range, not in Winnipeg and playing let's say, in, in a Pittsburgh or something. Or he may take a bridge deal that he wasn't willing to do in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's... So that's think, my sell job on it. Does Pittsburgh have to do that? No. I would look into it. I would contact Winnipeg, and I would, you know, ask. What's the worst that could happen? No? Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll keep Ollie Mata. Shit. Ollie, Ollie finds out and cracks the shits. It's the worst thing that could happen, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, I don't no, know. I know what you're saying. I don't Patrick Lyons, Patrick Lyons in Winnipeg. That's true. I, I get there with, I get there, and how how different from uh, Finland is Winnipeg anyway, weather wise. I um, I assume temperature wise similar. Yeah, maybe topography is a little bit different. Maybe a little bit. Um. I suppose trying to sell it to to Winnipeg fans, the, the, your biggest concern would be can Marta stay healthy enough to be on the ice? The biggest pro That's is it. he's got great underlying numbers. He can play with solid players. Uh, Winnipeg has some really nice younger players coming up. He plays left defense, so that fills a need that they don't have. And he signed for six more years at that was, a reasonable yeah. $4 million. That's the big They don't have to fuck that. around with another contract yep. and deal with this situation. Yep, I, I know that would be a massive selling point to Winnipeg, I'm sure. It's one of those things that those colder climate places struggle with at times is, is getting players to sign long-term, and they usually overpay to get them to do that. And Marta is definitely on the cheap in that context. So that's my thought process on it. I think Pittsburgh's in a great spot either way. My, my, my biggest issue would be you can see the potential there with Truba. It's all there ready to go. You just wonder if he gets out of there, whether it all falls apart on him or whether he does spring forward. And, and that's the risk you take with, with, with trading for a guy like Truba. I think it's minimal risk. I, I'm not concerned with that at all. And I've laid out why. Oh, yeah, he, no, has, he has good numbers with Stewart. They're only going to get better when he's not playing with an anchor. And he's playing with top offensive talent and getting minutes. Yeah. I have no yeah. reservations. And I think the player, the team that ends up getting Truba when he's traded, will uh, be very going to get a very good player. Yeah. And, you know, it always depends on what's coming back the other way, if it makes sense or not. I mean, Toronto's another team that could do this Morgan Riley or Jake Gardner. You reckon they'd have to swing one of those guys? Yeah, well, that that would be fair. I just can't. I, all right, I could see the management maybe doing that. I can't see a lot of the Toronto fans being happy with that happening. Well, they need a right side guy. I'm not denying that. It just I get there, and it's one of those things now that I've I've worked out. Fan bases can be very interesting at times. Like you said, Penguin fans are. Highly attached to Ollie, and and for good reasons. But a trade like this, like you said, would be one that if you could sign Truba, would set the team up for a longer term. It would be a now and a then option. You're set on the top two on the right side, which is more difficult to find for the rest of the Crosby Malkin era. I think that's pretty solid. And that, that's, I suppose, that's where Pittsburgh have to, and fans have to sort of think about it. Pittsburgh are, are in until those two retire. So, you know, 
I can see the arguments against it, but I think I've laid out some pretty good reasons why it would make sense. The benefit of asking Winnipeg for this trade is that you would you would have an idea of what Trubo would want contract wise. Yeah. So if he's asking yeah. for that six and a half, you just stick with Mana. You're good. What if what if he's what if he's had like four point five or five? I think long term Truba's gonna be the better player. Ali does not move around quick. He's very cerebral, but the injuries have taken a toll. Um, maybe Winnipeg doesn't even want a player like that. No. I don't know. Th- that contract's pretty good, and Mata's playing top pairing on a national team, and they have one of the best young forwards of that national team. So I, I think there's, there's something to be had there if they, the teams wanted to get together and chat about it. They'd have some common ground to start with. True. And I suppose they could nut the rest of it out. And if they want to try and balance it up for, you know, whatever reason, it could be a sixth and a fourth or a fifth and a seventh or whatever, whatever to add to it. But, yeah, I know what you mean. So that's how I feel about that. Um, Stick with Pittsburgh just quickly. Matt Murray got hurt in the World Cup, out three to six weeks with a hand. Yeah, that sucks, but it doesn't change anything short or long-term for the Penguins. No, but it was funny how he goes, I had no idea I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, it changes nothing. And quite frankly, it doesn't change my opinion that they should have moved Flurry in the offseason. I think his $6 million still would have been much better served as cap space. Uh, Will Murray got hurt. How about all the people that wanted to trade Flurry? And it's like, it's a regular season. They're one of the best teams in the league. It really wouldn't have mattered. A backup would have got them through. Jonas Enroth would have been fine. Yep. For a mil. And Dallas had 27th ranked goaltending last year. They won the Central, one of the best divisions in hockey. Why? Their team kicked ass. Now, come playoff time, if Murray was out and Flurry wasn't there, of course. But how many teams could you say that about they lose their starter? They'd be in good shape. Well, Dallas didn't have a starter, and they managed to win a round. So I'm not buying the, well, you know, they, they didn't have hey, to keep Flurry for this situation. It's handy to have him there. Um, you know, no, no, it, he's there now, and he's going to probably play well, and that's fine and dandy. I just yeah. I don't agree with the, the, the mindset that, well, this is why they had to keep him. And it's like, well, I don't think it really would have mattered. No, They would have got by, in my opinion. His new helmet's pretty cool, though, so I'm glad he's still around. Well, I'm happy for the people that really enjoy watching him play. That's good. Um, yep. I'm looking at yep. it from a, just a raw hockey point of view. You look at it from a raw asset point of view. He should have been shipped. I, I, I don't argue that, but my... But he's there and hope you know, might as well use him if he's there kind of deal. Well, but, but shorter long term, this doesn't change anything for me. It, first six it, weeks, he'll play almost every game, I'd reckon. He kind of did does that anyways. Yeah, but then they're gonna like they'll play him all for the start of the year. Murray will come back, and it'll be interesting to see how they taper into that um, that tandem that they think is gonna work. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, um, I don't foresee Flurry playing poorly. I, I think that would be strange. Although yep. double concussion, I guess who knows. He let a he let a um he let a goal in off the stanchion again. No, oh, well that that's a that's a fluke. That ain't that ain't his fault. I don't know if it is something that's happens to him a lot. It's always funny when it does. That was I mean, you know the coaches are always like get back there, stop the puck, help the D, and you you like. You know, if you've ever skated in goalie skates, you understand that the edging's a lot different. It's not easy to launch yourself out there and get the first three strides going like a hockey skate, a regular player skate. So they bust their ass to get out there. And this freaking thing hits the stanchion, goes in the slot. You're, you you can't you explode yeah. back because <laughs> even if you weren't wearing goalie pads, the the skate cut the hollow on it doesn't allow for uh, explosion. It allows you to slide more, obviously, because that's what you want with the goalie. So when that happens, it's like, you know, the goalie, unfortunately, is up the up the creek without a paddle. 
All right. So do we think uh, do we think Team Europe can get a game in this? Yeah, because anybody can get a game on any any night. But no, but this is Canada. <laughs> I think Canada is pretty great, and um, they've played. They've been playing great, and I think the only team that could really have well, there are two teams. I think Sweden could have, and I think Team North America. Yeah, that that was very sad. They didn't get to play them in the what a stupid tiebreaker. Yeah. Oh God. Um, nothing against Russia, but I look. The one thing for me will, will be Halak, I suppose. One, if he can stay healthy. No matter who Canada starts... plays, the goalie on the other team is going to be the focal point. Yeah. And you survive the storm. Halak can. Um. Well, 2010 proves that. The thing that I have with Halak is every time he starts to play like this and he looks good at the moment, he gets hurt. Well, he's healthy that's, for now. It, that's my point, though. He's healthy for now. He starts getting to this kind of, you know, Carey Price-esque form, and then he'll get hurt. And, and that's what derails him every time. So I am hoping for the sake of this tournament that he stays healthy during it. And two for the New York Islanders because it would be good for them to to have him healthy for a full eighty two. Yeah, he's 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 one of the more underappreciated goalies because he, he gets hurt. He's yeah, he that's, hurt, that's what does he mean? His play is great. Um, you know, I'm at naturalstattrick.com and and I I like that he's tracked the World Cup. Yep. Team stats and individual stats, but I'm I'm using the rate stats right now. And it's just interesting to, to look through the round robin. Corsi four per sixty at even strength. And um Europe's in dead last. Forty nine point five six. Canada's so I... second place, seventy five point nine three. So Jesus. Uh Halak to the point that we're making. I mean they're not going to be able to generate much. Gabrick being hurt is going to kill them. Well, Gabrick out for foot injury for six weeks is bad as well. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, Canada's just going to come in waves. and I, Kopitar's awesome, but Joe Thornton's a fourth-line center for Canada. <laughs> or, or a winger. I don't even know if he's the center. You know what I mean? Like, Kopitar yep. kicks ass, but okay. Kopitar, if I'm Babcock, here's Sid and Bergeron. <laughs> Go play against that line. And then it's Ryan Getzlaff, Tavares, Stamkos. Uh, how many centers do you want to go down on the other uh, one? You haven't mentioned Captain Canada, so him as well. Oh, it's, sorry, Taves. I mean... Yeah, this is the thing. It's like a plethora of, of who's who of best centers in the league. And it's it's one of those things where I don't think this has been bad for this tournament that Canada has been so dominant. I think what's been great about it is that it has sent a it has set a benchmark for all of the other countries and whatever composites they want to do from here on in to understand what they need to do to be better. It's not the U.S. attitude. I think it is legitimately the North American attitude, which was play to win. Don't play safe. Don't try to wear the other team down. Go with skill and and back your goaltender to, to make the save when you need to and just try to score. I, I think that's what would beat a team like Canada, and I don't know whether Team Europe have enough, particularly with, Gabrick being out, have enough weapons to to go toe for toe. That's all. Halak will keep him in. It's just a question of whether they can score. I don't know. I mean, they're 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 rolling Yossi Seidenberg as their top pair. Nothing wrong with Yossi. No, but I mean, Seidenberg is going to have his hands full. Yeah, that's going to be a problemo. I do want to mention, I mentioned the, the Corsi 4 per 60 for Canada, 75. 
which to put it into per- and yes, it's a three game sample. I'm fully aware of this. <laughs> the highest last year for in the NHL, just for reference, is 62 something f- from LA, which is obviously really good. It's the best in the league. I wouldn't have picked LA for that, by the way. No, it's funny how that works, considering how they play. But Dallas was up there, obviously too. They just don't give up. They have the puck so much. They, they just wear you down. It's funny how they can get that that kind of Corsi 4 result, considering that you don't feel like they take a lot of shots. But only reason I'm bringing this up, so keep in mind that 62. Canada for this tournament, 75.93. The reason we are all so sad about North America, 87.38. They That's were just... this. Hang on. That was what they had for the tournament for the three games. Yeah. Jesus. They're really fun. That's that kind of. I think that stat more than any of them really shows that. Uh, yeah. I just think if Murray hadn't have broken his hand. Yeah, you could make a strong argument that Murray was the kind of unfortunately buried. That's it. what happens in this sport. This sport is as much as you can do uh, around the team. If your goalie has a stinker, then you, you're toast. And and he let him four on four shots, didn't he? And then they dragged him, broke his hand in amongst there somewhere. If if he knew he'd broken his hand, would he have pulled himself? And would that have saved him in the tournament? So it's, it's always interesting when when you find this stuff out after the event. But I just wanted to highlight that North America. I mean, come on, 87, NHL high last year, 62. That's ridiculous. Fun, fun team. Uh, I will miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in the dog days when you're playing a terrible team that are just grinding the game down to a, a standstill. Yeah, precisely. Um, the other thing I want to mention is uh, Sweden. They didn't play bad against Europe, but, um, man, I... They could learn a little bit from North America. Is their, talent, Volvo, is their Volvo driving style of hockey a little disappointing? I think so. Look at their defense core. Every guy on that can push the offense. And Carlson tried his damnedest to do it. But they're so blah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I know what you mean. And it's it's one of the things that you would constantly hear in the in the commentary was that they just try to they try to bore you to death as as an opposition and and then catch you making an error because you think things are safe and when you've got a lot of talent I don't understand I don't understand why you do that particularly because your top line absolutely destroyed everybody else you know yeah. You, you you make the other team make the mistake. Don't wait for them to make one and then pounce and do a transitional kind of game. You're, you're loaded. You force that mistake. You make them. Because guess what? If you get caught, one of your all-world defense – I mean, how many other non-Swedish defensemen can make Team Sweden on that position? Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> Carlson and Hedman aren't – getting bounced from that team. Ekman Larson, is he really getting bounced? New? Well, maybe, but you know what I'm saying. Like, that, that yep. team is so... Strawman's awesome. Yeah, I, I... And you got Lundqvist back there, so even if you're playing a wide-open style, and this was my complaint with the Rangers for a long time, when Tortorella was with them, and they were packing it in and boxing it in, and it's like, what's the point of having the best goalie on the freaking planet? perhaps maybe the best goalie of all time, um, other than Hashik, if you're just going to protect him. Let him earn his money and just rock and roll. I agree with what you're saying. It's not like they don't. That's the thing. Like Their back six all have the ability to roll it out and skate it out and fly, or just a great breakout pass. And... It's like they're too scared to to give it a crack. It's like the coaching staff want to be in control so much that they're like, no, you have to do this. I know that if with this skill set we play within these constraints, 
we're going to be fine. And if they don't seem to want to extend past that or have any creativity, which is amazing when you consider the creativity of the individual players on their own. So that was a surprise. I thought Sweden definitely had the horses to compete with Canada. Canada, obviously, we talked about Halak. I think Lundqvist could certainly shut a team down. Bingo. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. I kind of wish Sweden had won just because I think we're looking at a two-game series here. Probably not well, very look, close. But well, the Team well, Europe was a great great story. I, I, I like that. I have no problem with these gimmicky, quote-unquote, gimmicky teams in this tournament. I think they've – Team North America was everybody's favorite team. And then yep. Team Europe makes the final. That's Nothing good. Wrong. That's better than watching Switzerland or Germany or Austria, Latvia, no offense, just Get not, not compete in this thing. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed this tournament so far. Hey, we said it last podcast – I would much rather watch this stuff than be trying to scrabble around and, and watch preseason. Yeah, Pittsburgh's <laughs> got their first game tonight. Um, I don't know how much do I? How much am I supposed to care? I guess Pouliot, Schultz, and Cole are playing, and that's kind of the fighting for the bottom pairing right now. Flurry playing is is notable because he you know, really hasn't played outside of what was it, game five? I do wonder how much they play him through the preseason for that exact reason, actually. I think he said he wants wants some time. Yeah, and I don't blame him for wanting that. You'd want to feel comfortable again before game one. So, that's the extent of it. I mean, they don't have roster spots. No, they don't. Look, it's... You said it before. It's been such a hard off season for you to write about because there's so little in in Pittsburgh land that, that's going on, and, and I mean that's a good thing if you're a fan of that club. Oh, it's this summer sucked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many times do you say the same damn thing? I don't know how many articles have you written. I don't know. Probably one a day on average. There you go. You've written, you've probably written the same thing differently, eighty percent of the time. Fit in it's a just Space Jam one. That was fun. That was that was definitely unique. Oh, I did the Las Vegas expansion stuff. That was fun too. But that was tough. I mean, geez, I know more about some prospects I don't even care to know about now. <laughs> Anything else we want to cover off on this one? Um. Not really. Uh, Marshawn, Truba, Murray Fleury, World Cup. I think that's a pretty good podcast. I think we got it all in. So, um, yeah, HockeyHurts.com, Walshy66 on Twitter, at Gunnar Stahl, Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts for your voluntary donations, which are appreciated, and HockeyBuzz.com for my Pittsburgh Penguins articles, including the one where I laid out Alimata, Jacob Truba. And I'll also be covering Canada uh, for the remainder of... For the next two games. (laughs) Till Thursday. (laughs) Maybe Friday. So um, you can find all that there. So, yeah. I guess until next time, uh, have a good one. See ya.